Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Milwaukee, start your engines. It's time to talk all things racing. NASCAR, IndyCar, trucks, and Formula One. This is the Final Inspection Show with Steve Zaki, Dennis Michelson, and Lori Monroe from Racetalkradio.com. Presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragaway in Union Grove. Driven by the Milwaukee Area Napa Auto Care Association. Now, from the David Hobbs Honda Studios, it's Final Inspection on 105.7 FM, The Fan. Here's Steve Welcome into the final inspection show here on 105.7 FM. The fan Jeff Orlowski filling in for Steve Zaki today, but never fear. Steve will join the show later on. The final inspection is brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragaway in Union Grove, Wisconsin. Get out there all weekend long today. They got the nitrous uh, streetcar brawl going on all day. You don't want to miss it tomorrow. Last-minute Father's Day gift. Bring your dad to Great Lakes Dragaway. He will love it. You will love it. Good way to score some brownie points. We're also brought to you by the Milwaukee Area Napa Auto Care Centers on the web at milwcar.com. And finally, we're broadcasting from the David Hobbs Honda De- uh, Studios, the David Hobbs Honda dealer for the people located at 6100 North Green Bay Avenue in Glendale, or you can visit him online at davidhobbs.com. Got a huge packed show for you today. You're going to get the latest in NASCAR from Dennis Michelson and Lori Monroe from Race Talk Radio. That's coming up about uh, right around 12.30. In the second hour, you'll hear from Steve Zaki and Tony DeZino. Also, David Hobbs will join the show. Guy Carini joins the show. But leading off, the only man whose musical tastes are as good as mine from Racing Nation on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline, let's bring in Eddie Lapine. Eddie, how are you? Hey, Jeff. Boy, what an introduction. I feel special. (laughs) Yeah, both uh, me and Eddie, huge uh, Alice Cooper fans, so uh, you get get high praise in my book, sir. Well, that's... That's good, Jeff. I'm happy to hear that. And there's, like you said, it's an action-packed show today. We got a lot of racing going on this weekend worldwide, actually, not only in Michigan with NASCAR. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll touch on the 24-hour of Le Mans in, in the next segment. Uh, the big news out of NASCAR uh, last week was uh, Ryan Blaney picking up the win, his the first win of his career, uh, racing in the you know the iconic Wood Brothers. Car gets the 99th win for the uh, for the Wood Brothers. 
the youth movement is alive and well in NASCAR, Eddie. Well, it definitely is. I mean, he's a great kid, and, you know, I mean, I followed his father for a long time, and Dave, and it's, it's really great to see him doing well, and it, it's just a bonus to have the Woods brothers and uh, that iconic 21 car um, winning again and with another driver. And uh, it's with Kyle Larson also getting the pole this weekend at Michigan. It, the youth movement is definitely alive. Yeah, and I thought the win by Blaney. Now, Austin Dillon, he picked up, uh, you know, the win a couple weeks ago, and it was his first win uh, for RCR and all that. I think, to me, the Blaney win, he gets a lot more credit than Dillon. Dillon basically won uh, because of fuel mileage, and he was able to stretch it a couple extra laps longer than everybody else. Now, Blaney, man, you know, he had to make an extra pit stop early in the race because he had a loose wheel. Uh, you know, obviously at, at Pocono, you're not going to lose a lap, but it definitely puts you in the back of the field. And then for him to race all the way back up and score the win, I thought was just huge. And I'm not usually a big fan of Pocono. A lot of, a lot of years, it just bores me to tears, but I'll tell you, you know, the, the race that Blaney had to take the lead, uh, the battle that he had with Kyle Bush was fantastic. And then for him to take the checkered flag when Kevin Harvick was all over his rear bumper, a.k.a. the closer, that that was exciting stuff last week. Oh, I mean, it, it definitely was. I mean, I totally agree with you. Pocono has never been one of those exciting races like Talladega or, you know, a lot of racetracks. But I'll tell you, the kid did an unbelievable job. I mean, holding off Harvick and you know, getting his first win. And, and it's just like a lot of these guys, you know, get, building that confidence and, and, and getting it in victory circle. And it just, it just helps the whole team. It motivates the team uh, to, to really get another one, you know. So it's definitely exciting to see these youth uh, movement in the winner circle. Yeah, I agree. I think that, uh, you know, everybody wants to uh, put a fork in NASCAR with Gordon retiring and Tony Stewart and Carl Edwards and Dale Jr. And, you know, they just want to write NASCAR off. But there are so many young stars. You know, we talked about Austin Dillon, obviously Blaney. Kyle Larson has a win. He's, you know, finished second in 97 races so far this season. Uh, He has the pole this week. You know, it. Uh, there's a lot of up-and-comers. Eric Jones is another one that week in, week out, the kid is fast. And, uh, you know, it's it, it, it bodes well for the future of NASCAR. Now, some news coming out of, uh, out of Michigan this morning as far as the Cup Series. Jimmy Johnson during practice uh, spins, goes sliding through the uh, grass. He's going to have to start from the rear because he's going to a backup car. Uh, he renews his contract with Lowe's. So he's uh, a little good, a little bad for Jimmy Johnson. Well, yeah, he renewed his contract with Mr. Hendricks for three years, and Lowe's is going to back him until 2018, which is that's been really a long-standing uh, sponsorship deal, one of the longest in racing. And, uh, you know, Jimmy will be fine. I mean, He'll come up through the field. 
definitely he'll be a contender at the end of the race tomorrow. Yeah, he was third in uh, in practice this morning as far as speed before the spin. Uh, Martin Truex, he paced morning practice. Kyle Busch was second. Jimmy Johnson third. Blaney fourth. And Kevin Harvick rounds out the top five in uh, in practice speeds. Now, you know, we talked about the, the youth movement, uh, kind of a changing of the guard, uh, you know, in NASCAR. Eddie, who do you think could be the next takeover for uh, Dale Jr. as the next face in NASCAR? I mean, there's just so many uh, new and upcoming drivers. I mean, you know, we didn't even talk about Eric Jones, um, who will be, you know, have a shot at winning the tomorrow. Uh, there's so many different new uh, drivers with the youth movement. Uh, Bubba Wallace is another one that's, you know, going to show something down the road. Uh, it's really hard to say. I, I think it's going to really be hard to uh, replace Dale Jr. just because he had just a fo- uh, incredible following uh, in racing, uh, starting with his father. And uh, I think it's really going to be some big shoes to fill. But, uh, you know, missing Dale Jr., it's, it's going to be a, a big deal with NASCAR. Yeah, I agree. I'm, I'm kind of rooting for, for Kyle Larson. I think that uh, – not only can he bring in uh, young fans, be, you know, because he's a young kid, because, uh, you know, he's multicultural and all that, and he's obviously fast, and the, the kid is competitive on every track. My problem with Larson is that he's just not that interesting. You know, he seems kind of plain, kind of, you know, he's, he's not all that exciting. Well, and I think that's the problem that we're seeing with NASCAR in the last couple of years with you know, colorful people like Tony Stewart and Jeff Gordon and Dale Jr. I mean, with these guys retiring, even Carl Edwards with the backflip, you know, there's there's certain things, and a lot of these new guys are just more, uh, I want to say, textbook. Yeah. I mean, they're brought up, they're they're educated through being through the PR people, and it, it's really tough to have them get out of the box with their personality. And they're, I want to say, I don't know if this is the best terminology to use, but cookie cutter is probably the best thing to say about what you're seeing with the new drivers. They're all textbook PR people, and they're promoting a product, and and that's what you're seeing. And they're not getting out of the box like your Tony Stewart and 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 that's really damaging to the sport to have those kind of characters involved in the sport and you know I mean everybody misses that and it's going to be hard to say what direction and and how it's going to transition with the new drivers and how their personalities are going to come out of the box next year or in the next few years yeah yeah hopefully when they get a a couple seasons behind them a little more experience and you know get a little more comfortable in their skin hopefully one of those guys will you know be the next uh, Clint Boyer you know like as a a jokester happy-go-lucky guy next Truex who's you know through and through a, a very good dude that everybody roots for or or even you know the next Brad Keselowski or uh, Kyle Busch, you know, kind of a villain type. 
So hopefully, you know, they they develop kind of kind of their voice as they get a couple years uh, into uh, their career. Well, exactly. And like you mentioned, Brad Kazalowski, when he came in, he was kind of a quiet, shy guy in the beginning. And, you know, it just transitioned after a couple years. He came out of the box and, you know, now he's a villain. And, you know, and that's what you need because that's what the people are going to talk about on Monday when, when they watch a race. You know, whether you like it or not, people tune in to the fights. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. You know, I mean, that's just part of racing and the personalities and the aggression that takes place on the track. And that's what people are going to talk about on Monday when that does happen. Yeah. And hopefully, like I said, hopefully one of those young guys, Dylan or Blaney, Larson, Jones, uh, Bubba Wallace, hopefully one of them, you know, I, you got five of them, so hopefully one of them goes villain, and uh, and at least a couple of them go good guy. But uh, but yeah, that'll be interesting to see. We got to take a quick break. Uh, Eddie Lapine is going to stick with us for the next segment. We're going to get in, into uh, the twenty four hour race at Le Mans and uh, to preview a little Road America that's coming up uh, next weekend at uh, Road America, <laughs> the IndyCar Series. So we'll be right back on the final inspection show here on 105.7 FM, The Fan. Welcome back to the final inspection show here on 105.7 FM, The Fan. Jeff Orlowski, we got Anthony Mandela pushing all the right buttons. Anthony, filling in for me today. Thank you, sir. My pleasure. I love you like a brother, but I'm hoping you make a couple mistakes so they don't uh, replace me with you. Uh, Joining us again on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline, Mr. Eddie Lapine. Uh, Eddie, one more thing with NASCAR here. I forgot to grab your pick for tomorrow's race at Michigan. Uh, I'm going to go with Larson. I, I, I think he's the guy. All right, Larson from the pole. I'll take Clint Boyer. He starts third. I think he's due for a win. I think uh, Stuart Haas in general, you know, they win the Daytona 500 right off the bat. Everybody thinks they're going to have a dominating season and they haven't sniffed victory lane since. So it's uh, been kind of disappointing. Now, all right, Eddie, we've got uh, the 24-hour of Le Mans going on right now. What uh, What's the latest going on out there? Well, I mean, it's four hours into the race, so a long way to go, 20 hours to go. And uh, Toyota, if if our fans have remembered last year, they lost that heartbreaking uh, finish after 23 hours and 50 minutes. Uh, they lost the race on the last lap when they broke, and they're leading right now in Porsche second. And it's a you know it's a long way to go. Porsche's had some problems with her second car, and Toyota brought three cars this year, so they really want to win. So you got to go with Toyota as a favorite. We also have a lot of Americans racing over there. Uh, We just posted a story on Racing Nation about uh, the Taylor boys and their racing. One of them's racing in the factory Corvette, and they're sixth place right now. So, And actually, Tony Kanan replaced Sebastian Bourdais in the Ford Chip Ganassi Ford GT, and he's doing his first 
Lamar, Tony Kanan, and he'll be at Road America next week for the IndyCar race. Yeah, Tony, always a fan favorite. Now, I think the big story out there is how much faster they're going this year than in, in the past years. Can you explain, like, Toyota's going five seconds uh, faster a lap than they were last year. Why uh, Why the dramatic increase in speed? Well, like everybody says in racing, they're going to make them go slower the next year to make it safer. And they've reduced the energy and fuel consumption 20% this year for those cars. And somehow the the engineers always find a way to go faster and they actually shattered the record by almost five seconds for qualifying. Now race times are, it's just totally different. The car, you know, they're heavy on fuel and they're going for 24 hours. So they're just going out to set a pace. And basically I think, the strategy with Toyota having three cars is basically putting one car out there. Like it's the tortoise and the hare type of thing. Okay. And, And that's basically, but in the GT class where most of the fans are very familiar with those cars, um, because they're street cars, they're very close. I mean, I'm telling you, for 23 hours, you're going to see this race unfold. You're going to see different leaders. And because of just the conditions, you know, with the heat and running all night, it, it, there's just so many variables. It's really going to be hard to uh, make a prediction with that class because it's so close in times. Yeah, I love it when they have huge sporting events uh, over in Europe because, you know, I woke up this morning, turn on the TV, and there is the 24-hour of Le Mans. You know, you're just watching uh, fantastic, huge events first thing in the morning, like when the when the British Open uh, is on in golf, you know. There's nothing better than waking up on a, on a weekend morning and, uh, and turning on fantastic sporting events. Now, what about the Taylor boys? How how are they hanging in so far? Well, uh, Jordan's driving the Corvette, and they're in sixth place right now. But, you know, like I said, it's a long way to go, and they're all right there. I mean, there's, you know, as they make pit stops, there's lots of changing positions. So I think it's just going to be one of these things when you wake up tomorrow morning and turn it on, when there's three hours left, you can start looking and seeing how it's unfolding. And, you know, then you can maybe make a prediction because, if you, you know, there's going to be some attrition, especially this year. Usually every year it rains. And this year it doesn't look like it's going to rain. And the heat is extremely, it's extremely hot there this year. So um, that's going to play a real factor. And we've already seen it unfold in, in four hours with some problems with brake issues in the, in the number two Porsche. Yeah. Yeah, so, well, we'll, keep, uh, we'll stay tuned to that. Now, obviously, next weekend, June 22nd through the 25th, the Verizon IndyCar Series invades Road America for the Kohler Grand Prix and Pirelli World Challenge. 
Uh, I can't wait for that, uh, Eddie. How about you, man? Well, after talking to you the other day, I never knew you were there. You've never been there. So I'm always looking forward to coming to Road America, coming home, at, and and that track just means so much to me uh, growing up. So I love coming there last year. It, it was incredible to see 100,000 people there for that race and to have the Indy cars come back to Road America. It, it was definitely uh, a great event, and they always do a great job at Road America. And George uh, will probably not let us down this year again, and I think the camping is probably sold out already, and it's going to be a great event. It really is. Looking yeah. forward to it. Yeah, I can't wait. My, like you said, it'll be my first time out there, and uh, and I am excited. I cannot wait to see uh, see the Indy cars roll on and and tackle uh, Road America. So let's get into your way too early Road America prediction. My early Road America. Well, and I I will tell you, Mario Andretti will be there driving the two seater, and to to a lot of the fans that's one reason to come to the race. And, uh, I, I gotta, I'm going to go with, uh, ah, and that's really tough. It's too early, Jeff. I know, I know. <laughs> it's really too early. I, you know, because road America becomes a fuel mileage race and there's just, it, it's an exciting race. I'll give you and a prediction, gonna, Eddie. I predict you make the first. I predict that me and you are going to share a couple beers. That's yeah, my prediction. I, well, that's a good prediction. <laughs> uh, and don't forget the bratwurst. Well, <laughs> that, that goes without saying. Oh, all right. Well, uh, I want to thanks, thank you for joining us, Eddie. And uh, I look forward to seeing you next weekend out at Road America, June 22nd through the 25th Verizon IndyCar Series. Uh the Kohler Grand Prix Pirelli World Championship uh, at Road America. Cannot wait. Thanks for joining the show, Eddie. And check out all his stuff at Racing Nation. Yeah, definitely go to Racing Nation and check Jack Webster and Eddie Lapine's uh, stories we posted. And we will definitely have a recap with Lamar this weekend. So we look forward to being at Road America next week. And we look forward to getting together with you, Jeff, and having a beer. Sounds great. Thanks, Eddie. We'll, we'll see you next weekend, buddy. Thanks. All right. Eddie Lapine joined us on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline. When you're ready to get into or back into the housing market, look no further than Great Midwest Bank. Visit greatmidwestbank.com to take the next step towards your new home. Now, coming up, we'll get the uh, we'll get Dennis Michelson and Lori Monroe's take on all the latest in NASCAR coming up next here on the Final Inspection on 105.7 FM, The Fan. Welcome back to the Final Inspection, 105.7 FM, The Fan. It's time for your NASCAR segment. This is Dennis Michelson along with the lovely and talented Lori Monroe. And That's Lori, me. Absolutely. And Lori, how cool was it? A first-time winner over the weekend? Yeah, we're getting spoiled with these first-time winners, but... Uh, 
this kid, I tell you, he's he's been so close, and it's so great to see Wood Brothers back on top again because, you know, they didn't even have a charter a year ago, I guess, and it's just it's just a wonderful story all around. The 99th win for the Wood Brothers racing yeah. team, at least one win in every decade since I've been alive. Holy moly. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't There's not that, enough wall space for the trophies there. Doesn't that sort of put it all into perspective that this has been going on for a long, long time? It does. But also, is Ryan Blaney now not another one of these uh, magical drivers that's won in truck Xfinity and Cup now? I believe you are correct. I think it's up to nine or ten of those guys now. Wow. What, what, did he run ARCA races, too? Did Was he ever in an ARCA ride? You know, I don't think he did too much of ARCA at all. I think he did, like, no, he Daytona. No, K&N or something. Yeah, he did mostly K&N, but he did a couple yeah. of ARCA races, but never full-time. Okay. Yeah, I just wondered, you know, he, you know, even if he ran part-time, if he got a win, that would be another feather in his cap to add to that, uh, to that sheet. How cool is it that the biggest old school team in the business wins with a rookie who they have to teach the old school hand signals because his radio wasn't working? The the question I have for you, what's the old fashioned signal? I know you put your hand on the roof, it's tight, on the door, it's loose. What the heck do you do to celebrate the win instead of yelling and screaming like a lunatic like all these guys do when they get their first win? Well, number one, you don't do a burnout. And I think we all knew he would not just because of uh, how he has celebrated his past wins. Seeing the whole thing come together, the whole thing is like a throwback. This the only way this could have been better is if it was at, at Darlington. I know I, I've talked about the the Darlington throwback weekend a week or two ago, but the only way it could have been better is if this was at Darlington yeah. and everybody walking around in their you know their old colors and stuff. But uh, I don't know. Have you ever seen anybody so happy and so appreciative of a win? And to see the Wood Brothers back in victory lane. Holy cow, that was awesome. Such a classy kid, this Ryan Blaney. Yeah, he really is. He's always been such a classy kid. And he is old school because his family has been around racing since the dawn of time as well. So this kid grew up in the business. And I think that's why he has so much of that old school respect. And who better to win with if you're an old school driver than the Wood Brothers? Now, do you remember in the last year, it was back on one of our Thunder Crew shows, I believe. And the three of us, you, me and Mike Harper, were talking about who we thought would get a first win. Would it be Chase Elliott or Ryan Blaney or, or, or Eric Jones. I think you, you two were all over Eric Jones. I remember that Eric Jones would rise to the top. I think I went with Ryan Blaney. I think you did. I think you did. Because you just, he, it was just like this quietness of him. He was just continually getting the job done. The entire focus of everything was on Chase Elliott being Bill Elliott's son and, oh, what a big deal that was and how much pressure has been put on that kid. And now, you know, not having one yet, it's just got to be – that's got to be rough. And then here comes Brian Blaney, you know, just uh, 
just fabulous. It was just, he's just been so quiet and so reserved and so classy, as you say. It's It's just a cool thing. And having a cool, classy, old school, first time winner like Ryan Blaney saved an otherwise ho-hum race. That was a rough one. Well, this is it. You know, the the end of that race was fabulous. But the problem is, though, thank you, Ryan Blaney. Had had Jimmy Johnson won this race, I really don't think people would have said, oh, this is, this is a fabulous race. Because Ryan Blaney won and how he was able to hell hold off these guys, how he was able to get around Kyle Busch, hold off – uh, Kevin Harvick, just incredible. He he just did a fabulous job. I think if Kevin Harvick would have won this, the story we would have been talking about wouldn't have been anything about the race except for the crashes. That Jimmy Johnson crash, I saw the replay uh, of that again yesterday, and it scared the bejesus yeah. out of me again. Did you see the in-car camera on that? Oh, God, I feel I I felt it. You could feel it even through the TV. That hit was so hard. You could actually feel it through the TV. He is lucky. He is so lucky that uh, that, you know, all he have has wrong with him is whatever he's got wrong. And that's nothing. And when his spotter Earl called down to the car and said, are you okay?" His first reaction, the very first thing said by Jimmy Johnson was, I think we got away with one there. I know. That's scary. That is frightening. Yep. So thank you, Softwalls. Thank you, Hans Device. Thank you, Car of Tomorrow. You might occasionally give us boring racing, but you haven't killed anyone yet, and that certainly is worth the uh, trade there. The other thing, though, that I wanted to talk about with this race and with this crash, because right after the Johnson crash, moments after that, Jamie McMurray hit the wall and went up in flames as well. I was so concerned, not only by whether he'd be okay in that barbecue pit of a car, but the slow reaction by the safety crew. I I almost expected them to show up on, like, little tricycles or something. I could not believe how slow they were in reacting. Yeah, it it seemed probably seemed slower than it was, but it was still slow. You know, when you see a car on fire and still kind of rolling, at least at least he got out, which was great. But yeah, had had he not been able to get out for some reason, (laughs) absolutely horrific, absolutely horrifying watching that. How long did it take for the fire crew to get there? It was almost a full minute. And was it a full a, minute? Yeah. And then was, there's this one guy trying to start the extinguisher, didn't know to pull the pin oh, or something like that. God. Yeah. This is the thing is it was a full minute from the time McMurray's car came to a stop. So the whole time he oh, was wow. being barbecued, you know, yeah. you can add another 20 seconds to that. I understand NASCAR's rules. They don't go ahead and, and dispatch any safety crews until the track is quote-unquote secure so nobody gets hurt. If there's a fire, if you see fire, that safety crew should be rolled immediately. We're going we're gonna to barbecue somebody to death who's been knocked unconscious and is going to be in that car and is going to be struggling for their life, all because we're worried about the safety crew being safe because it, the car is, you know, the track isn't secured. Well, I'm sorry. Then get a full-time safety crew 
like IndyCar has, like NHRA has, and pay these guys good money like the IndyCar series does, those guys get to the crash before the car even stops, and that has saved lives. Well, maybe that'll be next. At least they've got the, the medical crew on on the payroll, I guess. So maybe maybe they'll think about that next. Hopefully it will be coming soon. The other good news from this week, though, um, speaking of crashes, how about good news for Eric Almarola? A scan of his uh, injured back shows that he should return to action in that 43 car sometime during the month of July. Yeah, that's not far off. I guess uh, I guess Bubba Wallace's job is secure for a little bit, but uh, yeah, definitely good news for, for Almarola. Rough start to his cup career for old Bubba Wallace. A few penalties <laughs> on pit road. It was like almost anything that could go wrong went wrong for that kid. I think it was just a case of the nerves and getting used to this digital dashboard and everything else. I expect to see a better Bubba Wallace in that 43 car this week at Michigan. Yeah, absolutely. Me too. Fun to see the kid get a chance and also was so cool to see the 43 car riding along with the 21 car on the cool down lap as he caught up to his buddy the two mm-hmm. best friends in the sport in these two iconic numbers one's making his very first cup start and the other comes through with his first win that's something that goes in a disney movie it really is. It, it's like it was. Uh, it's like you could script this. It couldn't have worked out better for both of them because I know they really wanted a picture together. Fantastic indeed. Well, folks, it is time for us to step out, take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to be blowing up some stills. You're listening to the final inspection on 105.7 FM, The Fan. Welcome back to the Final Inspection, 105.7 FM. The fan, Dennis and Lori, talking NASCAR, and you know what that means. Ah, yes, folks. It's time for some really good music. We're a little early. White lightning. There you go. When the dog sings white lightning, you know it's time to blow up somebody's still. Laurie Monroe, can you tell the good folks at home how it works? How it works is if something has bothered you or annoyed you in the week of racing, we're going to blow up it still for you. So head over to racetalkradio.com, fill out the form, let us know what you want us to blow up, and we could possibly include you in an upcoming show. Very exciting. Very exciting indeed. And I understand, do we have a celebrity guest blower this week? A guest uh, still uh, possibility, yes. One of our longtime listeners, Patrick, he wants to blow up the late start times. He says starting a race at 3 or 4 o'clock and having one or two hours of pre-race is asinine. He says it's absolutely asinine. Uh, We get so much by the way of Race Hub or all these other similar shows that, uh, you know, there's just just too much. He says he'd have the races on TV and radio start at 1 p.m. on the East Coast. And as far as daily Light races consistent and P <laughs> let me start this again on um, as far as daylight races and the people would I, I still can't even read this I'm sorry anyway he wants the the, the <laughs> start times to not be so late 
<laughs> so blow up the late start times is what you're saying. Blow up the late start times. He wants them to be more consistent. I can't say consistent. I'm not very consistent. With your consistency. No, I'm not very consistent. I think your gluten is out of whack. Anyway, uh, do you have a still blowing to share? I do. Eric Jones. How old is Eric Jones? Oh, he's like 21, 22 maybe. Okay, can you tell me why Fox on TV still uses his eighth grade picture when they got him, you know, something going on about him and they're showing his number? Why are they using a child version picture of Eric Jones? It's pretty ridiculous. You know, he's a youthful looking guy. And I'll tell you, his his physique and everything has really changed over the last off season. It looks like he's been working out. He's just matured. But they're using this picture of like a, an eight year old. That's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Oh, my goodness. That's a very good one. I like that one. Yeah. My still blowing. You brought this to my attention this week, and I'm so glad you did. This video of Danica Patrick losing her mind uh, uh, with a fan and, you know, trying to explain how I'm a person and, you know, then getting in into a little bit of profanity laced uh correcting of the fan that was booing her this isn't about danica's tirade this isn't even about the fan that's booing it's the people who seem to go out of their way to try to catch a nascar driver in a bad moment on video and this goes for both the fans and for the media they just want to make these people look like goons and at the end of that video as you sent me the the information about it the lady who took the video is is gloating not gluting but gloating about how she got it she got the video that's just pathetic. I, you know, say what you will about Danica and her tirade, but when you go out of your way to make somebody look bad, you're worse than that person is who's losing their mind. So, Lori Monroe, mm-hmm. who's going to be the still that we blow up this week? Well, I really like yours because I was I was livid for a couple of days over that, and uh, that the woman who did that video and the gloating that she did was just ridiculous. And I, I could talk for an hour about Danica and her right to do whatever she wants, what she should do, what she shouldn't do at the end of the day, it's all on her anyway. But um, yeah, I, I really like yours. Cause that's just been, that's been a big topic all over the place this week about drivers signing autographs. Yeah. We, we got to blow up that lady who took the video of Danica. All right, General Mattis, incoming! Ah, the sweet sound of explosives. Did it kill her camera, too? I hope so. I okay. hope so. Yeah, I and I hope her, her iPhone was not insured. That's just <laughs> pathetic. Anyway, three very good still-blowing candidates yeah. this yeah, week. thanks, Patrick, for Outstanding yours. Outstanding job. I was livid about the start times on Sunday as well and was was told yeah. by a lot of people on social media just to shut up because don't you realize that TV makes those decisions? Well, TV should make better decisions then. But uh, very good still-blowing, Patrick. and Lori, better. Yours was great as well. 
Thank you. Indeed. Well, it is time for the NASCAR news. And how about this? Mr. Sam Hornish Sauce Jr. returning to NASCAR this year for at least three races in the Xfinity Series. I was thrilled to see that. I, I'm a fan of Sam Hornish. He's, he's a classy guy. And, you know, he hasn't had the, the best luck in, in stock cars, as we all know. You know, he's, he's done okay, but he, you know, even he admittedly could, could be doing better. So to see him not in a, in a ride for a while and, and how he stepped out and yeah, it's just kind of sad. So it's nice to see him back again. He's a cool guy. And a very talented racer. And in a stock car on a road course, he's a threat to win. So it would be great to see him go to victory lane. Also in the news, Casey Kane's throwback scheme has been announced for (laughs) Darlington this year. (laughs) And he's going to be honoring Jeff Bodine. Yeah, I don't know. I I don't know. I I don't know why I find it funny. But... um, yeah, I, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I Can thought you tell it. Me why I find it funny? Well, I just thought you know you see these guys honoring all these great drivers from the past. Jeff Bodine was a great driver in modifieds. He was a good driver in NASCAR at Cup level, but I don't know if he's a great enough driver. To have a throwback scheme, are we going to have a throwback scheme for Lake Speed next? I just... I don't know. I think that'd be all right. Yeah, and I understand there's a lot of history for that Hendrick team. Jeff Bodine got the first oh, yeah. win for them. This is it. Jeff Bodine was number one. So... Yeah. He was the first um, with, to get with Hendrick. So yeah. why not? I think, it. you know, in reality, it is a fabulous idea. Yeah, it, it just... it. Without was, Jeff Bodine, we might not have had a Hendrick Motorsports. No, because they were about to go out of business before that Absolutely. win. And I guess it was, yep. what, North Wilkesboro, where they got their first win? It was a short recall, track. But I yeah. don't recall, but yeah, that's that's exactly what happened, though. Also in the Darlington News, how about this for a throwback performer for the National Anthem? The Oak Ridge Boys. You know, there's going to be a lot of people complaining about this. But all I can say is, giddy up, boom, pop, boom, pop, a Darlington. I like that. Um, also in the news, new amenities at Sonoma Raceway for this oh. year's race. How about some new that. speaker systems all around the track? Some cooling stations to keep the fans comfortable. And some new permanent bathrooms where they've only had porta johns in the past. So great to see Sonoma making it more comfortable for the fans. All they need is a few more fire trucks and they'll be good. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> uh, and in the not so good news in the NASCAR world, it seems that mediation did not yield a settlement in the Ward family lawsuit against Tony Stewart. So this sucker's going oh, to court. That is not good. This this is uh, that's rough. That's not good. And the thing is, this news came out before the race weekend started. You know how Tony, mm-hmm. you know how Tony Stewart celebrated this bad news of the mediation settlement uh, talks breaking off. Probably went racing. He was racing at Angel Park, but it's even better than that. One of the fellow competitors in the race had an equipment problem, 
and Tony Stewart, right before qualifying, was laying under this guy's car with a wrench, fixing it for him. Yeah, actually, I saw a video of that. That was pretty cool. Really, really cool indeed. So, Tony Stewart, good old school racer, helping out his buddies. So, I just love to see that. Actually, it wasn't even his buddy. It was somebody he had never raced with before. And here he is. Did you see that uh, Kyle Larson won an outlaw race last night driving for Stenhouse? Wasn't that crazy? Yeah, just absolutely fabulous. Absolutely great. Well, Lori, it is that time of the week that we get our prognostication hats out. Pick the winner this time for Michigan. Who's your pick to click? I'm going with the eight-year-old Eric Jones. And I'm taking Kyle Larson. So I'm taking the other, I'm taking the 12-year-old. The 12-year-old. I'm taking the eight-year-old. You got the eight-year-old. I got the (laughs) 12-year-old. Two solid picks for the race there at Michigan. Thanks for tuning in to the NASCAR segment here on the Final Inspection, 105.7 FM, The Fan. Milwaukee, start your engines. It's time to talk all things racing, NASCAR, IndyCar, trucks, and Formula One. This is the Final Inspection Show with Steve Zaki, Dennis Michelson, and Laurie Monroe from Racetalkradio.com. Presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragaway in Union Grove. Driven by the Milwaukee Area Napa Auto Care Association. Now, from the David Hobbs Honda Studios, it's Final Inspection on 105.7 FM, The Fan. Here's Steve. Welcome back to the Final Inspection Show brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove, Wisconsin, along with their friends at the Milwaukee Area Napa Auto Care Centers. They can be found on the web at milwcar.com. Broadcasting from the David Hobbs Honda Studios, this is the Final Inspection Show. And in studio with me today is Tony DeZino from NBCSports.com. Tony, welcome back to the show. We're talking IndyCar and... There's been a lot of stuff on the on your website uh, pertaining to IndyCar and what happened in the the RainGuard Water Sealers 600. I gotta give Eddie Gossage uh, kudos for finding that sponsor. Yeah, and, and an ironic one because it's one I wasn't at. Which usually I'm at most races, but I generally tend to skip Texas for two reasons. One, I'm gassed usually after the whole month of May and into Detroit and Lamont prep and everything else. Uh, but also, it's just such a good race to watch on TV that like to try to capture everything that happens. Exactly. Sometimes it's hard to do. There are some races where it's better almost to watch from a, a TV setting. Well, obviously, I'm biased. I want to watch all the ones on NBCSN, but uh, um, just it's a good TV experience. And as it turned out, there was no shortage of things to talk about on Saturday night. I don't even know where to start. <laughs> um, well, I, you and I are still running, but you know. Right. <laughs> I, I did tweet a thing about we were getting close. It wasn't until we got down to the the because <clears throat> thinking of, uh, of another crash, I brought up the old 1974 Trenton Trenton, I think 150, a Bobby Unser one, which there was only uh, four cars running at the end of the race. But that was mainly because uh, USAC had come up with a new rule, and uh, they had they had a, a rule where you were supposed to get either 1.5 or 2 miles per gallon. And from an Offenhauser engine, that was pretty, pretty tough. So a lot of the guys were leaning out the turbos and leaning out the fuel. So what was happening, and it also happened at Indy, the following race was the Indianapolis 500, 
where you had guys that were burning out pistons and dropping valves. So that's it wasn't uh, it wasn't really attrition of crashes at 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 Trenton, but as it was with engine issues and them trying to figure out how to manifest the fuel mileage game, which they were trying to play with the the the, the fuel crisis of seventy three and seventy four. But let's bring it back uh, back to today, and it was. Well, bringing that back today, it was actually more like uh, 1999 uh, IRL race at Texas, I think. Yeah, very much a demolition derby. And it's rare you get an IndyCar race with more than a handful of retirements anymore. Three or four usually is kind of about average. Exactly. This one, there were 13 cars out and there were two more with damage. So at one point I was like, Olivier Panis has totally got this. 96 (laughs) Monaco Grand Prix only had three cars finished and the fourth one was in pit lane. This was similar where it had nine cars finished. One was repaired two more were damaged in the last crash and the words pack racing came back into the vernacular for the first time really with this chassis and current uh current package but that that's even still an interpretation itself because it what guys could pass it wasn't well, like trapped let's you know? let's start from the beginning right and actually earlier in the week when they named tristan valtier to uh made replace me look like a genius not simon Paginot. Sebastian and, Bourdais. I mean, yeah. Uh, Sebastian it's time to play, no, time to play I know. No, you're Frenchman. You know, I right? know. Well, what's hilarious was Tristan and I had sat down at Detroit for a, a feature on his post IndyCar life and how he was doing this thing. Yeah, he's with, done. With, He'll never be in another never be IndyCar. In IndyCar. You know, he's doing the Sun Energy Mercedes <laughs> and then Tuesday rolls around. I get wind that he'll be in the coin car. I was like, you got to be kidding me, man. I was like, I should get 10% of the deal at this point. But um, it starts out, and, and we watched qualifying on Friday night. Tristan hasn't been in an IndyCar in two years. He qualifies fifth. So it was, which it, was, it made sense because yeah. uh, they, they didn't, they didn't pass Gutierrez. They didn't he, clear him. There was a testing, <coughs> testing blackout period. So and, you can't run in a certain number Everybody of was saying, well, why don't you run James Davison? He ran so well at Indy. Yeah, James he also Davis, wrecked the car. He also wrecked the car there. But the other thing was with Dale Coyne says, we, he, we, we ran him twice at Texas and we're comfortable with him. Yeah. So it's like, Sometimes, Dale, you know, Dale doesn't say a lot, but he when he does, he, he gets to the point. I mean, yeah, yeah. Dale is a man of very sense. few words, but every word he says is, exactly. very, is exactly chosen, calculated. When he goes off, and he's gone off more in the last month than he and has. And he's had good reason And to. he's good reason, yes. Yeah. And it's, it, it, you know, Dale, you know, I remember one of the first races I saw him race at Road America in, Norton at, uh, in an old march with a stock block stock in block. it and, and all that is great stuff. And you're thinking, well, this is a guy who's who's going to, you know, bounce around. He's going to bounce around at the rear of, of the IndyCar. But, hey, he's out there. He's joined himself, and then he's going to disappear. Well, here it is 30 years later, and not only is he still in the series, but he's winning races too. And, and the thing with, with, with Dale is he's a survivor, and it, it it must be frustrating. It must have been such a frustrating situation for him because he had Valtier, who who I mean, here's another story. I mean, all the most interesting stories throughout the IndyCar seasons so far has pretty much dealt with Dale Coyne Racing. For the majority of it, yeah. Day, the Ford, Davison story. Uh, Gutierrez you know, coming in out of, right. out of left field. And then here you have Ed Val- Jones, who gets overlooked exactly. by Alonzo for Rookie of the Year. And, and then you have Valtier, who's 
Okay, he qualified fifth. He'll drop to the back. Right. No. Quite the opposite. Right. And he's running the outside groove. Yeah. And they're and they're like telling him, you know, why don't you run the inside? Because you're kind of opening your, third. And you're you kind of opening so. yourself to attack and to get past, but he, he's comfortable up there and everything. And so, you know, if I'm Dale Coyne, I'm like, oh, this is great, but you must be just that leg is shaking because you're like, oh man. It's, it's we funny. Can't... It's funny at one point during the race, uh I I think, I think it was Katie was trying to talk to him, and, and you could tell Dale just did not want to talk exactly, on him. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> that moment, yeah. like, I got this, like, let, let me focus. And I get all credit there for trying, but it was just one of those, like, Dale, Dale ain't going to talk type things. But the first half of the race, there were a couple incidents. There were a couple big ones. Elio Castroneves crashed out in turn two. And that was a hard hit. Which was a hard hit. Yeah. Um, if, I, I think if there's if there was, if Road America was this week, I, I wonder if he would even be if he would be able to run it. I, I do wonder about that. Cause I, I think he'll be like fine. His, it looked like his bell got rung yeah. pretty significantly. Yeah. I think that. he'll be fine for road America, you know, coming up here then the next week. But I think if it was this week, he'd be in trouble. Right. Rossi went out, Ed Carpenter had a pirouette. And then we got to lap 152 and three wide going into turn three happens. Tony Kanon's on the inside. James Hinchcliffe is in the middle. Mikhail Loishin comes in late on the outside. TK moves up, but he kind of has to, to make the corner. That being said, he knocks, into Hinchcliffe, which knocks into Aloysian, which knocks and brings us back full circle to coin, and it takes out Tristan Vodier, and so begins our eight-car pileup, you know, a big one in an IndyCar race, which none of these teams can afford. It was brutal. Yeah, it, it was just very, very frustrating, and it it was, you know, first of all, you know, tw- you know, Tony and I are both on Twitter, and we're always on Twitter during the races, and first of all, it's, it's like, Oh, okay. Lotion's in an accident. It's his fault. <laughs> and that's that's the immediate. It's, and then it's, you can see the ebbs and the flows. It's of, a snap reaction, yeah. and then the text and the DMs follow afterwards. Like, um, and then you we're can't like, blame the Russian for interfering with uh, <laughs> with a political event on tracks. So. And, then, and then you kind of look at, it and then you know. Coins really mad, and then you start seeing. Well, yeah, I guess. You could see. So, I mean, was it a dirty? I don't think it was a dirty move. Racing you know? incident, but in the heat of the moment when right. there's that much, you know, debris, carbon fiber shards everywhere. Sure. And a number of teams had to re-prep their cars for Road America and Watkins Glen testing just this week. So, mm-hmm. so even then, you've got more more damage adding up. To, to go back to coin, they've now written off five cars in a month. Like, I mean, they're not all tubbed, but they've crashed. You know, Bourdais had the crash at Phoenix. That got repaired. Then he crashed it again at the 500 qualifying where he gets hurt. Davison crashes. Jones had damage on his car, still drove with damage. Uh, and then they both get taken out in this Texas deal. And it's like, you wouldn't wish that on Team Penske, let alone the the less, you know, the least paddock resources uh, team in the business. You know, that's, that's what was brutal to see. I mean, I, I'm going back to the 90s and early 2000s when they needed pay drivers just to survive. Right. And they never had a run this bad. It's been a while if they've had one this bad in a such a compressed time frame. You... <laughs> I was it's getting you to go to, to a, It's time to bring up the show car, I think. I was going to say, uh, I was going to go to back to the DPO1 at this rate. I was expecting you to pull out a Guido Daco reference. <laughs> I was thinking of it, but uh, yeah, I mean, you, you wonder, uh, you know, I always I always have these weird dreams for every once in a while where I'm at an IndyCar race and they're bringing out all these old chassis and that, and, but they're usually older than the old, uh, like an old Lola or March. It's like old Eagles and McLarens, but it, that, that, withstanding 
Um, yeah, you, you you wonder if they could go back to. I mean, could you? I don't. I, now there's upgrades and there's been safety upgrades, but I mean, you can't run a DP12. Can you? Uh, the old champ the, car chassis? Yeah. No, 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 the D, oh, the, the original DW12. A DW12, I mean, yeah. Right, no. Because, I mean, that's several, it's a couple of generations behind from a safety standpoint. There's like the Xylon intrusion panel, some of the other safety and there's enhancements. there's upgraded roll bars. Upgraded roll bars, yeah. et cetera. So, um, suspensions, you know, all the other stuff that's come together. I, I'm, 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 putting Tony, I'm putting Tony on the spot here because I used to know and I forgot, but the fr- I know the front wing assembly the the piece that they they can change out with with the four with the four bolts that's that's like 80 grand or something is everything Only, i don't know if it's that much but it's a it, for, front wing i know they've lowered the price it's at least 30 yeah the front wing assembly is at least 30 and the so. side the side panel i mean you got the side the side look, pods look at it this way coin said multiple six-figure accidents yeah, in a in a six week period, so I would not be surprised if that team's over a mil. And his his damage. sponsorship package is not like a lot of the other teams. No, it's it's very much a business to business type deal. You, mm-hmm. When you see the Boy Scouts on the car, they're not putting anything in. That's like a trade out type deal. It's it's kind of complicated, but the majority right. of how Dale makes the the revenue work, makes the dollars work, is via all the franchises that he has, uh, the Sunny's Barbecue stuff. So it's between that and a couple other sponsors that he can pull in to to make the deal works so it's just it's absolutely cruel to see what what they've gone through and i I sound like a broken record but saying it but they they, no team should have to go through what they what they have in such a short amount of time and the other story is is gabby chavez another top 10 we keep forgetting about him. It seems like it's been a running joke on the show throughout the summer. We we, we mean to talk about him, and then we finally get to him 12 minutes in. Uh, unreal how good that, that team's been and how consistent he's been. Outside of one hair-raising moment when he and Graham right. Rahal almost right. crashed out on the back straight, Gabby is, knows that his team's got limited resources, and they're finding their footing a little bit. They can't afford to crash a car. And in two races where there's been 14 and 13 retirements, he hasn't been one of them, and he's finished ninth and fifth. I mean, for a small team like that to, to bring your car home in one piece, get additional bonus money because they're not they're not one of the team allocated right. cars, so they're not getting a separate IndyCar payout. That's a huge huge step for them. Gabby, Gabby's had a tough last year because he lost his ride at the last minute to Alexander Rossi, who promptly won the Indy 500 and right. is now set for life. But Gabby's done a good job to. Not repairing his reputation, but getting back on the radar after well, you were... Yeah, he's a kid. I mean, I saw this kid run in a midget at the Speedrome in, in Indianapolis. I mean, he he's a racer, and and I, I don't like... There, there, there's some people... Well, I'll put it. I'll, put, I'll throw it out there. there. There's some. There's there's a lot of idiots on Facebook, and I, I remember the earlier in the year, somebody was saying, "Oh, Gabby Chavez, who's he? You know, I like to see him running a midget." And it was awesome because one of the guys I forgot, I think it was Mahoney or somebody said, "Yeah, he's been in a midget. Have you?" So I was just blasted the guy. It's like, good, good for him, you know, because this is a kid. The kid's a racer, mm-hmm. you know, and he's been. How long has he been in this country now for? At least six, seven years. Yeah, he, he did a yeah. year. He did a year abroad in GP3, and then he came back. He did Star Mazda, won some races but there, won the Indy Lights he, Championship. He's, he's a great. You know, if you really ever talk kid. to the really kid, kid. You, you just he's got he's one of these kids. He's got a great smile, and he and he just oods 
uh, confidence. There's just an it factor there. Yeah, that, exactly. Like, kind of that intangible thing. I mean, Brian Hurd said he was one of the best drivers he's ever worked with. And Brian Hurd has worked with a lot of different people and guided two guys to, to winning. So Brian hated losing him last year. That's, yeah. that's a fact. And, so. you know, it is a speed drum, but I, I've seen guys going the first time in a midget, and you can tell it's their first time in a midget. Gabby was competitive at the speed drum. I mean, not just, but I mean, he's putting wheels in the. I mean, he was getting a lot of advice from, from some veterans, and he was using it. He wasn't tentative out there, and he looked very, very natural. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I mean, I'm talking the crustiest of the crusty people in the three one seven were impressed with this guy. By the end of the night, they had won them over. You if know, you've these, got the seventy-nine-year-old three-one-seven crowd, you're yep. you're hitting the, you're hitting the, right, you know, you're hitting the right demographic. It's kind of tongue-in-cheek, <laughs> but I mean, it is true. I mean, these are if for for those there are some crusty old veterans in the Indianapolis area that that you know they're they are a stereotype in themselves, and 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 they by the end of the night they were all cheering for them. So it was it was a neat deal. But let's get back to Texas here. Lo and behold, Will Power wins it. By the way, Will Power wins the race, right? Yeah, almost overlooked in the the chaos was uh, one of Will's classic good. When did Will Power become an oval specialist? That's what I want to know. I mean, the Will said earlier this year his results have been better and his performances have been better on ovals than on road and street courses lately. And you look at the stats, it backs it up. He had the dominant win at mm-hmm. Milwaukee a few years ago here, if you remember. Yep. Um, had a big win at Pocono last year that was kind of a Rick Mears-esque drive where he was, you know, made his car better over the run in at Texas call it a pack race or not but the guy knew how to put he started ninth and he got to the lead early he led 180 laps you know he really didn't look in doubt until the last stint there when it was him and Dixon and Sato and then Sato crashes into Dixon and it's like no it's like I don't want bad Taku back it's been good Taku all season and then and then that happened but I feel like Will's on the verge of one of those like midsummer uh oh runs. That's yeah, yeah, I know. I'm thinking (laughs) I was thinking the same thing because he just when he's got that swagger, when he's in the right mental state, it's like look out. And he he was like, I'm this is what I'm putting my car. Yeah. I'm putting the car on the inside. I'm I'm staying here. I'm stuck. Anybody want to try and pass me? Have at it. Yeah, go try the yeah. outside. Make exactly. it work. Not happening. And we saw what he did here at Road America last year. Right. So. And and the, and the cars that, and fortunately for him, the cars that probably could have made that move were out of the race by that time. By that point, yes. TK was coming, but he ran out of time. Yeah, it, it's you. It, yeah, he was coming. That's the other story too for for a guy. How many laps is he down? Two down. Two. Had a lot of the cautions, which was aided in part by IndyCar and Firestone Consulting to make this competition caution thing right. come into play, which was a little in race. Like, well, this isn't not. Eh. You, you know, get, I get. It. I will give him. I'll, I'll give him this one because. You know, we, you know, especially Honestly, on this show, better, yeah. we've been ripping on Goodyear. It mm-hmm. seems like every four or five races, there's an issue with a Goodyear tire with NASCAR. And they just kind of go, oh, it's, it's fine. It's fine. Now, Firestone, and, and, and there's we a lot of. We never hear issues. We never hear issues. There was an issue. They, there's some blistering, and you could definitely see the blistering. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, uh, yeah, I know. I, 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 I. Felt the same way, Tony. It just was that competition. Really, do you you know? But yeah, yeah. does if they if there's a five, uh, two laps, green white checkered, does Tony Canon win? Yes. No. No. <laughs> I did. No. I, the way he was driving, I think he. I think he would have tried. 
Okay. You certainly would have gone for it. Right. But I, the whole point was that you were already up against the clock. And I think by that point, when the last caution came out, yeah. I didn't have a problem with them ending under yellow. No, I don't either. Because, you know, whereas, you, you try where you can, but you can't always do it. Because, like, five laps at Detroit is way different than five laps at Texas. Right. So that's kind of where I draw the line with that. So, but he doesn't, if they if they do a green white checker, he doesn't win. Does he pass him around the outside? Yeah. I don't yeah. think anyone was anyone. The people were close around the outside, but they weren't actually getting him around the outside. Does he push him, push him up the butt, and get him loose? Do a do a bump and run? <laughs> he could have tried to dive bomb into three, but you know, he's got oh, he's got Lamont, he's got Lamont to race, which you know he's got to focus on that too. So. Don't forget, next weekend, of course, IndyCar's up at Road America. This is the one you've been waiting for. It, the weather should be great. The food's great. The racing's great. Come on out. See Tony and us. We'll be up there. We'll be broadcasting. Uh, we'll be recording after the Bill Michaels show on Friday for Saturday's show up there. So should be a good time. We'll be around all weekend. And uh, if you see us, make sure you say hi. We'd love to talk to the listeners at the track. So, uh, thanks for listening, Tony. Thank you for joining me in studio yeah, today. Yeah, thanks, man. Fun times. And uh, we will talk more. We got more stuff coming up on the final inspection show brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove as we broadcast from the David Hobbs Honda Studios here in Hales Corners. And welcome back to the final inspection show brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove, Wisconsin, along with our friends at the Milwaukee Area Napa Auto Care Centers. They can be found on the web at milwcar.com broadcasting from the david hobbs honda studios and joining us on the great midwest bank hotline it is mbc sports formula one analyst david hobbs welcome to the show tone well steve the david hobbs honda studio i yes. like the sound of that a lot that must have cost us millions <laughs> Well, well, you know, it's amazing is, is, is all of the huge photos we have of you in the studio of your racing career. And we got a big poster size one of Greg, uh, your son, who, if you want to get yeah. a good, a good deal on a civic like Tony DeZino, who's joining me in studio today, uh, it's the place to be. Well, very good to be with you guys. And, uh, thank you, Tony. Uh, do you like your civic? I do. Um, already one road trip in the books down to Indy road, America and more to come throughout the, throughout the summer ahead. So very much excited and looking forward to it. It's been fun. Good. Well, I think that's enough plugging for the time. <laughs> of course, uh, last, last, I know you didn't call me for that. <laughs> no, the Canadian Grand Prix and it, uh, we've, Oh, there's been a Lewis Lewis Hamilton sighting and Mercedes sighting back in the circuit de Gilles Villeneuve in Montreal. And uh, I guess we shouldn't be surprised by the results, should we? No, because, you know, I mean, Lewis has broken a lot of records now. I mean, he's he's equaled um, Ayrton Senna's second all-time in pole position, 65. Uh, only three more to go, well, four more to go, and he will surpass the all-time pole this is record of uh, Michael Schumacher with six, if he gets 69 poles, which the way he's going in the moment he will. But of course, you know, him and the circuit, Jules Villeneuve, seemed to have an incredible affinity. That was his first ever pole position and his first ever win 10 years ago, which just doesn't seem like a blink of an eye to me. And he's now won it six times. He's been on a pole six times. So yes, um, not an unexpected win. Um, but nevertheless, it was only just, I mean, he was three tenths quicker than Sebastian Vettel, who was on the front row with him. And um, 
on the second row were the second was the other Ferrari of Kimi Raikkonen and Valtteri Bottas, who were thousands of a second apart. So it looked like it was going to be a good race when the lights went out, and and it was. I mean, you know, apart from the fact that Lewis Hamilton kind of drove off. The rest of the race was very eventful with uh, Max Verstappen making an absolute demon start in the third row, slashed by Sebastian Vettel going into turn one and whipped the end of Sebastian Vettel's wing off, which kind of uh, fixed his race right there and then. Um, however, that was um, a win and lose situation. It was a a bit of a lose for Sebastian Vettel, who could have probably given Lewis a good run for his money, but uh, it meant he had to come in for a new wing at lap six. And then he carved his way through the field and, and, and got a magnificent um, fourth spot, which was really pretty outstanding drive. and Got him the Drive of the Day award and all the other stuff, but, um, but it did open the championship up a little bit. So all in all, I thought the Canadian race was, was pretty good. We did unfortunately lose Verstappen fairly early on with a, a malady. We're not quite sure what, some sort of engine issue. Um, and we lost him early on. But we saw some, some, some pretty good drives from uh, a lot of drivers. Now, David, the Verstappen retirement did completely change the game almost because you had Vettel needing to come back after the pit stop. You, Raikkonen was a little further back at the time, and what presented itself was a massive battle for third that saw the Force India guys split strategy. Estepan Ocon had probably the drive of his career, got up to second. Um, but then a really interesting decision or lack thereof from the whole Force India. The, the two Force India drivers were battling, but they weren't able to get around Daniel Ricciardo. It was a whole just bizarre sequence. I mean, when you were watching oh, wow. that, what was kind of your, your take as, as it was evolving and Force India had this chance and then they blew it almost? Yeah, they did. Well, those drivers, you just can't trust them. And uh, they're, they're a bad bunch. But yes, I mean, Force India had worked out a good strategy. Uh, Perez... Um, pitted fairly early on. Well, not fairly early on, but he, he pitted long before Ocon, who managed to make his tires last very well. And Ocon pitted, and he had about 20 laps in hand on his tires. And unfortunately for him, Perez, his teammate, made it impossible for him to get by. And the team's plan had been he should attack Daniel Ricciardo in the Red Bull who had the, the hardest of the three compounds on available. And I think that, quite honestly, Ocon, given a clear run, would have got Ricardo, and he would have got a podium for uh, the Force India team, and obviously his first podium, which would have been fantastic. And it would have kept, as far as Mercedes are concerned, Mercedes are all ticked off about it, because it would have kept Vettel back at least one, if not two, spots which would be great for the points situation. So um, I thought that, um, but, uh, you know, I mean, drivers are selfish and they are, always are going to be selfish and they hate driving to orders. And I noticed that Force India have kind of lowered the rhetoric and said, well, we let them drive and blah, blah, blah. But I'll tell you what, I bet in that driver's briefing or debrief after the race on Sunday night, there were some pretty harsh words spoken and... Um, Perez will now be kind of on uh, on notice. And, you know, Ocon, he's still only 20. Um, it's his first, I mean, he, he drove in Formula 1 last year a, a bit, 
But boy, he's come on this year, and he mm-hmm. was quick all weekend. And I think that he's going to be giving Sergio Perez a hell of a run for his money before the year's out. And, uh, you know, I, I suspect he'll be on lots of people's shopping list. Uh, last last uh, last week's show, I mentioned how uh, I thought you made a really interesting analysis on Canadian driver Lance Stroll about him coming into F1 this year as opposed to one of the other years with the changes that came aboard this year with the bigger tires, more horsepower, and whatnot. And it, it seems like last week he might have finally, maybe for the first weekend, actually felt a little comfortable in a car with him getting his best finish of the year. Well, I must say that Lance Stroll hasn't impressed me a lot this year. Um, he, uh, but he has struck a particularly bad year. You know, Verstappen came in from basically the same formula. Mm-hmm. Um, and when he drove, the difference between the, the cars he had been driving, the Formula 3 cars and the Formula 1, was nothing like as graphic as it is now, with the, with the bigger, much bigger tires, wider cars, lower cars, more downforce, so suddenly the speed differential is significant. And I was on, we, you know, some of those on board with uh, Lance Stroll last week really showed very good restraint, too. I mean, he was trying to be quick, knew where to go fast, and didn't min it. I mean, he didn't throw it in the wall, he didn't do anything stupid, and he's only, what is he, 18? Yeah. Um, he's the second I youngest thought, point scorer, and I, I didn't know that. Well, exactly. there you go. Uh, yeah. He's even younger than Vettel when he scored his first points. No, Vettel was the youngest. At the, right, so he should US be the next Grand youngest. Point, but he'll be next. But, I mean, the fact, the fact was, he drove a really good race with his head because in a home, in front of a home crowd, the temptation to, you know, go for broke must have been very, very tempting. But he did a, a really good job at restraining himself. And I thought he drove a nice race. He, he really did. I thought... Um, I thought he drove very well. It was the best race I've seen him drive, and um, because he was going fast enough uh, to be competitive and not uh, being stupid, so I thought I thought he drove a very good race. All things considered, a good job of damage limitation by Williams because they lost Felipe Massa in a first oh, lap crash, God. which was yeah, that was which was screwed. brutal. I mean, it looked yeah. like Carlos Sainz came out of nowhere to to knock him out there. It was one of the more bizarre first lap incidents I've seen, and, and that track is prone to it, but not at that and not at that portion of the track. Usually, it's turn one and two, uh, not turns three and four so much. Yeah. Speaking of heartbreak, you know. Massas was at the start of the race, and Fernando Alonso once again at the end of the race. My goodness. Uh, can you imagine? It's like, it's not even a surprise anymore, but it's just like, what does he have to do? I mean, it was just watching that. It, you couldn't believe that it was happening again, even though this is what's been happening all season. I know. And, you know, as a Honda dealer, I just find the whole thing tragic because <laughs> the loss of face in Japan must be getting pretty hideous now because it's clear that they don't have any answers. They were supposed to have uh, the new power unit for Canada. And not only is it did not appear, it now doesn't appear as if it's, go- it's going to appear for some time um, <clears throat> because they have a very basic engineering issue. They have a, a severe vibration problem with the engine. And so you, you don't fix things like Basic engine vibration simply is it's not a good it's not a good problem to have and um, 
until they fix that, they, they don't get reliability or power. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Honda are in a very tricky situation. And McLaren, for three years now, have been saying, yeah, we're standing by them, we're going to stand by them. But, I mean, it's suddenly, you know, in the last three weeks, the talk has turned dramatically to, well, when we said we're going to stand by them, what we really meant was we're not. We're going to, we're going to look for alternatives. And, um, you know, I gather they are negotiating with Mercedes. <clears throat> um, now, whether Mercedes are going to just, you know, calmly supply um, McLaren with another power unit having been dumped for Honda a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. um, who knows? I mean, it's not easy. It's like people saying, well... <clears throat> Fernando Alonso can't drive for McLaren anymore. He's going to he's going to go somewhere else. Yeah, but where? Where? Yeah. There's just there's nowhere to go. I mean, they keep on saying Renault, but I I just does he really get excited over that? I don't think so. It feels like a tribute act, no? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I don't, I don't think you get excited over Renault. Um, no. I mean, the Renault is in the hands of Hulkenberg. At least is showing some signs of Renaissance. Um, and he has been up there with the Red Bulls a couple of times, but the car is obviously not a patch on Red Bull. Right. Um, uh, obviously, they got the same power unit. But um, yeah, unless they, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, Alonso wants to win championships, and he there's nowhere to go that's going to win him a championship. The only place he can go is Mercedes or Ferrari. And I mean, I don't think. Either of those teams have got opening for him. Or we can we can it. we can start the Team Penske uh, sports car uh, <laughs> rumor right here, right? Uh, the, yeah. the the photo of the weekend was Sir Patrick Stewart drinking out of Daniel Ricardo's shoe. Now, <laughs> now we all know that Lee Diffie would would do that in a second would drink from Daniel Ricardo's shoe. But between you and Matchett, which one of you two would drink out of Daniel Ricardo's shoe? I don't know, but I can tell you it wouldn't be, and that wouldn't be me. <laughs> okay. So we'll put Diffie down for a definite yes, uh, yeah. and then match it. We're not sure about 50 50. Well, how's that? I think match it will put that a maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Okay. <laughs> well, David, we certainly appreciate you taking time out, talking Formula One with us. And uh, okay. what, what's coming up next on the calendar? Well, uh, obviously, and I know yeah, what it is, but I can't say it. Well, next. <laughs> Next coming up, next coming up on the immediate calendar is dinner oh, yes. here in Florida, and then uh, a trip back to Wisconsin for the summer, um, and I'll be back a few days, and then I'll be turning around and going back to Stamford, Connecticut for the Baku race, which is a very different kettle of fish to Canada or Monte Carlo. Yes, um, a magnificent-looking city from what I've seen of it on on the video, um, but a long way from Canada. Uh, Le Mans course is coming up next weekend on another channel. Um, I was invited to do it, but I I declined because it's a pretty busy year. And then uh, you know, just I think did. of the irony: you're not in Le Mans, but AJ Foyt is. It's a good well, point. there you go. I mean, <laughs> the world is a strange place. It but is. Of course it's, it is 50 years since that magnificent yes. win with the uh, with the Mark IIs at at, uh, at Le Mans when, of course, Dan Gurney. But mm-hmm. shook the bottle of champagne and sprayed the crowd, and um, it's obviously been the thing to do now in uh, on the podium ever since. But that hard to believe that is fifty years ago. Really is time and, flies. Um, does it does? Especially when you're having fun. Yes, but time doesn't fly when you're at David Hobbs Honda buying a Honda. 
It's a joyful experience that you just oh, want to oh soak God, up. Oh, my God, that's very good. That's, yes. that's good. I, I couldn't have said that better myself. Very good, David. Thank you so All much, right. and we'll talk to you in the, ne- in the next few weeks. Okay. Cool. Thanks, Steve. Thanks, Tony. Thanks, and, David. Uh, have a good show. That Bye. Was, thank you. David Hobbs on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline, and you've been listening to the Final Inspection Show brought to you by Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove from the David Hobbs Honda Studios in Hales Corners, Wisconsin. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Final Inspection Show here on 105.7 FM. The fan, Jeff Orlowski, sitting in for Steve Zaki. We had a guy, Karimi, was supposed to join the show, and we do have that interview. However, we have run out of time. You can find that interview along with this show, past uh, Final Inspection shows, everything that your heart desires on 105.7 FM, the fan. Dot com. Uh, make sure you check out the Final Inspection Facebook page, TFI, the Final Inspection Show on Facebook.com. Uh, tons of great content, great articles, everything racing, all right there. Make sure you hit us up on Facebook, give us a like. Uh, now, next week, Verizon IndyCar Series invades Road America, the Kohler Grand Prix and Pirelli World Challenge, Elkhart Lake, Road America, June 22nd through the 25th. The final inspection will be out there. Steve Zaki, Tony DeZino, Eddie Lapine, myself. If you don't, uh, you know, if you can't tell us apart, I'm the best looking one out of the bunch. But make sure you uh, stop by, say hi. And, uh, and shake some hands, and, and uh, we'll meet at Road America and enjoy the race. Uh, Final Inspection Show is brought to you by legendary Great Lakes Dragaway in Union Grove, Wisconsin. Make sure you take your dads out there today, tomorrow, every single day. Be a good kid. It's a fantastic time. You'll love the food. You'll love the racing. Great Lakes Dragaway, Union Grove, Wisconsin. Uh, also brought to you by uh, the Nap- uh, Milwaukee area Napa Auto Care Centers. Visit them on the web at milwcar.com. And the final inspection show is in the David Hobbs Honda Studios. Visit them online at davidhobbs.com. I want to thank everybody who joined the show. Eddie Lapine, Dennis Michelson, Lori Monroe, Tony DeZino, David Hobbs, Guy Carini. Like I said, check him out online at 1057fmthefan.com. And most of all, thank you all for listening. Enjoy the racing. This is the Final Inspection, final inspection Show here on 1057FM, The Fan. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.